if you guys want to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to look at uh, verses 15 through 18. Again, nothing really, you know, in depth, just kind of hitting on what uh, our topic is out of the book, which is a dynamic of the disciple and, you know, how we are to be as, as men and as a church and, uh, and how we're to trust the, the Lord for his spirit and for him to move us and direct us in, in his will uh, for ministry, for, for everything. So uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 18 says, See then you, that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So I think if we're honest, I think we've all asked uh, this question one time or another in our Christian life. Why does my life seem to be anything but dynamic for Christ? You know, sometimes it just feels like spiritually dead if i'm being quite honest i mean you're you, you love the lord you're praying you're serving you're doing all but nothing is really it just doesn't seem to you to me to be fruitful it just seems like we're kind of going through the motions at times and you know in my christian life at various times i you know i've struggled with that you know you don't feel like you're close to the lord you don't feel like you have that due to miss power from on high right you don't feel like you're full of the spirit you just kind of feel like you're you're doing ministry you're serving and you're doing stuff but it's really not led of the spirit well that's not what the bible calls us to be the bible calls us to be filled with the spirit to have his spirit to do his will and his work not ours not what we're doing not our flesh not our desires not anything like that but his will because after all we're his church you know, we're here to serve his people. And so the Bible declares that the Christian life is one of power because we have the Holy Spirit, and yet we find ourselves weak and frustrated at times. I mean, I would ask you to raise your hands, but they would probably all go up. I mean, we all at some point feel weak and inadequate and frustrated in the Lord. And we're just like, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on in my walk that I just I can't seem to, you know, be in the place where you've called me to be. And I think sometimes it's because we rely upon ourselves too much. We're not asking daily, Lord, fill me with your spirit to do the work of ministry. We're just kind of like, oh, I got, yeah, I was, you know, asked for the Holy Spirit to come upon me at one time, and, and now I'm just doing ministry, and, and, and it's good, you know? It's like, no, I mean, we daily we come before the Lord to ask Him, Lord, fill me. Help me to do your will today. Help me to be filled with your spirit and, and to have that show in a way that is dynamic and that is poured out to your people. That the power would go forth not from me because of me, but from me because of you. Because of what you're doing through the life of the believer of your church. We want to be like the disciples who were in the book of Acts and how they received the Holy Spirit and turned the world upside down. That's how I want to be. That's how I desire to be. It doesn't always happen because, you know, other things get in the way. Work, family, whatever, blah, 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 right? We all got stuff. But really, it it can be that way for us. I think we make too many excuses why it's not that way. You know, oh, well, I'm busy. Well, I need my 12 hours of sleep tonight or whatever the case is, you know. I'm a late sleeper. 
I like sleep. Sleep is good. (laughs) But we're unsure how to do it or go about it. And that's because we think in our mind in some way that we can do it in our own strength rather than in the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit is key to everything that we do. That is where the life, the dynamic life in Christ comes from. It does not come from us. It's not something I muster up inside of me to get up. Oh, yeah, i got to get up to do ministry. Ah, yeah, 12 cups of coffee, here I go, right? No. It's the power of the Spirit to come upon the believer to do the work of ministry. In verses 15 and 16, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. There's a reason why we're to redeem the time. We live in a dark day. Paul tells us that we're to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. The word circumspectly means to be cautious or careful and is made up of two words. We'll go with the last part of that word first, which means which is speck. It has to do with sight, while the first part of the word circum refers to a circle. So then the word applies closely looking around us, inspecting our surroundings, and exercising caution. We have to always be mindful of where we're at. I think about that a lot, especially now. You know, before as a Christian, you just kind of think, oh, well, you're, you're here, you're there. You know, you're going into a liquor store to buy a soda. But, you know, who knows what you got in that brown paper bag or what people might think, you know. So you're, you're kind of like, but now you're always cautious. It's like, well, maybe I'll go to Chevron. And maybe I'll just take the bottle by itself and why? Because you don't want people to get the wrong idea. You want to walk circumspectly. You want to be aware of your surroundings. You don't want to stumble people around you. You don't want people to think that you're out doing things you ought not be doing. Ought not, right? (laughs) That was for Mike. (laughs) So if we're walking circumspectly, then we won't be tripped up by the enemy or ourselves. And we'll be wise and not foolish. We're the least effective and most vulnerable to the enemy and temptation on the day when we let our guard down. The day that we think, oh, you know, this day is awesome for the Lord. It's jamming. You know, you're, you're ministering to people. You're talking about the Lord. Everything's going great. And then all of a sudden, it's like a train wreck. You know, you don't know what happened. You're just like, what happened? We're most vulnerable when we're, just, we're not focused on the Spirit. We're not focused on Him allowing us, or we're not focused on Him doing things through us, rather. And, you know, we start doing things in our flesh, in our own efforts, and, and then it's like a train wreck. You know, our lives just kind of spiral, and then it's like, how did I end up where I'm at? First Peter 5.8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because the adversary, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The enemy looks for people, I think, one that are weak, one that are spiritually weak, we'll say. Those that are spiritually feeble, you know, those who aren't seeking him, and those who are overconfident. <laughs> those, who, those who are, you know, sure in their own mind, I'll never do whatever that is. And then before you know it, you're tripped up. And your life is no longer has that dynamic power, no longer has that, that spark of, of what the Lord wants to do, but it's just, it's you flat on your face going, Lord, what happened? Part of being used in a dynamic way by the Holy Spirit for the work of the kingdom is to be wise. Using wisdom. 
You know, wisdom, I think sometimes we think of wisdom as this way out attainable thing, but when really wisdom is just taking the knowledge you have and applying it to your life. It's really simple. Um, You know, if you know that you have the knowledge that if you step in front of a bus while it's moving, you're going to get killed. You're going to get hit. So wisdom would be, don't step in front of the bus, right? So we're just applying the knowledge that we have. We're just taking what we know that the Lord desires for our lives. We're relying upon the Spirit and applying that to our lives to have this dynamic life in Christ that starts by being wise. Sometimes this means we have to set our desires and agenda aside in order to be effective for Christ. A lot of us have a lot of plans, you know. We desire to do great things for the Lord, but maybe that's not what the Lord has for us. Maybe He has something else. Maybe He has something smaller or or even something bigger, and we don't even understand what it is, but we have to set all that aside and rely on the Spirit to dictate what it is that we're going to do. Excuse me, I've been a little sick, so my throat's a little dry. Ministry isn't a me thing. It's an others thing. Ministry is all about other people. I mean, yes, the Lord is in it, and, and ministry comes because of the Lord, but it's not because we're there to serve ourselves. We're there to serve others. We're there to serve the people. You know, we're there to serve whatever their need is. When, it come, when we come together, we're looking, are we looking to get blessed? By what's going on? Are we looking to give out blessings? Are we looking to be there for other people? Or is it just all about, oh, bro, pray for me. My day was horrible. And yeah, that's great. We need to pray for each other. We need to have that ministry. But I'm just saying, if that's an all-the-time occurrence, there needs to be a change. There needs to be something that makes us say, we want to bless others. We want to take that spirit that the Lord has given us and pour it out you know, to work and do things for other people in their lives and not focus on ourselves but we live in a society a society no a society today that's so me oriented right it's all about me you know facebook and well i'm a member now but facebook i mean it's your face your mug right it's out there you know all your thoughts people get on twitter and every thought that pops into their little pea brain they just type out in 165 characters or whatever it is and boom there you are you know and it and, and people, you know, they, they lose touch with what it is that the Spirit is supposed to be doing. And they lay out all their frustrations, you know, with the church and with their supposed friends on social media. Because it's all about me. And we're not to be that way. We're to be Christ-centered. And being Christ-centered is being others-focused, you know. Having a focus on other people and what they have need of. We need to lay aside all pride and bitterness, backbiting, self-seeking, because this hinders our spiritual growth and effectiveness for the Lord. No longer are we turning the world upside down, but we're turning our lives, others' lives, and the church upside down. You know, we become the opposite of the early church at times. No longer are we dynamic, but we're, whatever, pitiful, you know? I, I desire, and I'm sure you guys do too, to have that life that's just 
You can step back at the end of your days and you can just say, you know what, man, I, you can talk like Paul, you know, I, you know, finished the race, I've run well, I've done everything I needed to do, you know, and man, I can't wait to be with the Lord, you know, but in order to have that happen, we need to allow the Lord to use us in the way that he desires, that he sees fit. And however that is in whatever ministry you guys are involved in, whether it's here at the church, at your work, at home, whatever the case is, whether you're teaching, doing worship, cleaning up, ushering, doesn't really matter. Whatever you're doing, do all for the glory of Christ. Be filled with His Spirit. Because not everybody can be a hand. Not everybody can be a foot. Not everybody can be a head. Nobody can do what you guys do in ministry, where you're at. Why is that? Because the Lord has called you to that ministry. Whatever it is. And you need to have that dynamic power from the Holy Spirit to bless you and to work through you to get it done. In verse 17 he says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We need to understand what the will of the Lord is in our lives. We're not called to take up two feet of chair, right? That's not your ministry. That's not my ministry. We're called to do something. We're called to make an impact on the world for the kingdom of God, regardless of the time or the place. Yeah, we live in a bad time. So what? You know, believe me, there's worse places in the world to live than Monrovia. You know, and those people are out serving the Lord. There's people in China that are losing their lives for the gospel. You want to talk about the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit to stand up for Christ in a, in a country that's willing to kill you? For what you believe, that to me is, man, that's dynamic power. So, how much power, you know, should it take for us to get up to preach to Monrovia? I mean, it's all the power of the spirit. It's all the same spirit. It's not a different spirit. It's the same spirit, same love, same God. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. Amen. And we have a ministry. We have the things that we're to be doing in the Lord. It takes the Spirit to do those things. It cannot be done in the flesh. When ministry is done in the flesh, you guys have heard it before, people get burned out. You know, I know from my past that I've gotten burned out in ministry because I was doing ministry in my own strength, my own power. And, you know, I know when we first, my wife and I first started coming to this church, it's kind of off topic, but a little bit the same. But we, we started first coming here and we're thinking to ourselves, oh man, they got a men's Bible study, a women's Bible study, married couple study, they have, you know, men, you know, the, the, now they have the Tuesday night, the school on Tuesday nights, they have Wednesday night Bible study, they have Sunday night, night of prayer, night of worship, you know, fellowships with food everywhere you turn, you know. And it's like, dang, man, we, uh, I just told my wife, we can't do all this stuff. You know, it's not going to happen. We just can't do it. There's not enough time in the day. Uh, lo and behold the lord showed me different you know all the things that my wife and i are doing and you uh, you figure it out because i can't we have more time than we had before and and i don't get that 
you know, uh, other than the fact that it's the Spirit of the Lord, <laughs> you know. And it's something that, that the Lord has instilled and put upon my heart, my wife's heart, to serve the Lord, to be dedicated, to have that power of the Spirit, to, to work in ministry, because ministries work, but not in our own flesh, but in the Spirit, with power from the Lord that is supernatural. When we understand what the will of the Lord is, we move from having mere knowledge of his will to the application of the knowledge, and we become wise. We become wise. You've got to know what the will of the Lord is for your life. Don't worry about the person sitting next to you. Don't worry about the guy who's in the other ministry. Don't worry about what he's doing or she's doing. Fix, and, fix your eyes upon the Lord and trust in what he's doing in your life for ministry. And the power that he wants to fill you with to get that done. The study of the Bible isn't to be an intellectual pursuit, although, you know, we do study and we do get knowledge from it. But it's not to be a mere intellectual pursuit. But a pursuit of understanding more than, more about the one who created us and what his desire and plan is for our lives. What he wants for us as individuals. He's the one that we draw, that we draw the dynamic power from. The power to move mountains and change the course of the world. This is what the disciples did in the early church. You know, the Spirit fell upon them and boom. Later on in Acts, he's talking about, well, these are the ones that, you know, that changed the world. They're the ones that have set the world on fire. They're the ones that are preaching this Jesus, you know. And here you go. I was talking with, uh, I think it was Tyler, and he was, you know, mentioning, I don't know what the age, I can't even think about what the age of some of those disciples were, maybe in their 20s, somewhere around there. But you have these guys, these young men, who were busy setting the world on fire for Jesus because the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And that's an amazing thing to me. You don't see too many young guys and young girls, you know, really on fire for the Lord and seeking His kingdom and setting everything aside, all their own desires, all their own wants, all their own cares, and focusing on the Lord and getting things done. You know, that power is available. The Lord desires that. The Lord desires that in you young people. You know, He desires for that to be the case. He wants you guys to have a fire that burns so deep and so hot that nobody can touch it. That the world can't do anything but look upon it and see the Lord in your lives. That's what He desires. You know, and you move on to, you know, the young adults ministry we have going at the church. And there's like, you know, Anywhere from 20 to 40 young people coming and serving the Lord. Most churches are full of 40-plus-year-old guys, you know, and, and, and they're slowly dying off. You know, I mean, you have to have, when you're young, the desire to set the world on fire, you know, for Christ. In verse 18, he says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. That's the key right there. We're not to be drunk with wine or anything else for that matter because it shows lack of self-control. When we give ourselves over to the flesh, we are no longer controlled by the Spirit. I know this personally from my own life as well as the lives of people that I see. When they get their lives off track, no longer is it about the things of the Lord, but it is about them. It's about 
what they want to do, and they take others down with them. You know, it doesn't take much. Galatians 6 verse 8 says, For he who sows to the flesh will the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will reap of the Spirit everlasting life. We need to be reaping of the Spirit. We need to have the Spirit come upon us, fall upon us. And then we need to desire that dynamic power for the Lord to use us daily, moment by moment. When you're going to go do something in ministry, don't just, ah, yeah, let's go. Let's do Whatever, man, let's go. I'm down. And not go without asking the Lord to bless it. Not, not go without asking the Lord to give you the Spirit to get the work done, to get the things done that need to be done. But to have the Spirit fall upon you. And for us to take, you know, shake up the world for Christ. Doesn't take much for a group of men of this size. Believe me, the disciples, there was much less of them, you know. But it doesn't take much for a group of men to set the world on fire for the Lord. Heck, if, if we set the world on fire, if we set our own hearts on fire with the Spirit, that would ignite to our family and spread out from there. You know, and then there's no stopping what the Lord might want to do. Through the life of one church. Through the life of a group of men that would come to church on a Monday night when you're dog tired after a long day of work. You know? One commentator wrote, There's an implied relationship between getting drunk with wine and being filled with the Holy Spirit. This relationship, as I understand it, has, has, as I understand it, but one similarity, and that is the similarity of getting drunk and being filled. Both terms imply a control over, or over an individual by an outside force which alters one, one's thinking and conduct. So either you can be drunk with wine, or you can be filled with the Spirit. One is going to bring destruction, and the other is going to bring life. It's, to me, it's not much of a choice. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those questions that's a rhetorical question, really. I mean, what would you rather have, wine or the Spirit of God? You know? I mean, hopefully in this group it would be the Spirit of God. I'm assuming anyway. Go to any given bar, it would probably be wine, maybe beer. Who knows what it would be. But right here, right now, it would be the Spirit of God. That's what we desire to have. We desire to have the Spirit come upon us and fill us to do the work of ministry. To do the things that, that only God can do through the life of an imperfect, fallible individual. That way He gets all the glory and we take none. It has nothing to do with us. No pat on the backs for doing what the Lord desires of us. Paul's giving a command not to be drunk. And the contrast is to be continually filled with the Spirit. When we get drunk, we do stupid things. I can attest to that. You get drunk, you act like an idiot. Our inhibitions get lowered. No longer are we thinking straight. But we, you know, (laughs) I've done some really dumb things when I was drunk. You know, and I'm sure those of you who have been there have done the same things or similar to. It's it's no fun. Waking up the next day and not realizing how you drove your car home, 
but knowing that it's there and somehow miraculously in one piece. You know? Waking up with some stranger next to you because you have no idea who that person is. You know, we do dumb things when we're drunk because we're not under the influence of the Spirit. Now, fast forward, you get saved, your life has changed, it's renewed, and now you have the Spirit of God. So when I'm driving home at 1 o'clock in the morning and I'm pulled over by a cop, I'm not like, where's the gum? Roll down the windows, turn, you know, open the sunroof, turn the air on. Wait, don't turn the air on too cold, he'll think I'm high or, stu- or drunk or whatever, right? I don't have to worry about that anymore. I've gotten pulled over coming home from this men's Bible study twice. <laughs> I think once this year and one last, once last year. Both times. You know, cop asks you where I'm going. Oh, well, I actually live right around the corner. I'm going home. Where are you coming from? Church, men's Bible study. Oh, okay. Showed him my Bible. He looked around. Okay, have a nice day. Okay, great. See ya. <laughs> you know, praise the Lord. Thank you. And, and, you know, it's different. I don't worry about it. I don't think about it. Cop wants to search my car? Have at it. In fact, I'll let you know, I got like three pocket knives in the, glo- in the glove box of my truck. I have a bunch of knives in the, my toolbox of my truck. I work with knives. I work with blades, things like that, you know, for my job. So have at it, man. I don't care. You're not going to find anything. So, you know, I, you don't worry about those things anymore because you're filled with the Spirit. You're not filled with the things of the world. When we're filled with the Spirit, our senses are heightened. And we're in step with the will of God. And that's the best place I can ever be. Walk in lockstep with the Lord. You know? Because when I start half-stepping with the Lord, then I start tripping and falling on my face. And then you do what we all do when we fall, right? Dust yourself off and you get back up and you start walking again. You don't just lay there on the ground. So there's hope. Even when you do trip up, you do stumble, you do fall, it doesn't really matter. Well, it does matter. But it means that you can now have an opportunity to repent, dust yourself off, and keep walking. Don't just fall flat on your face and stay on the ground and go, I can't get up, you know? That old lady, I've fallen and I can't get up. I don't even know what that commercial was, but one of those. But get up. Dust yourself off. Keep moving. The race isn't won by sitting still. The power of the Spirit doesn't fall upon us when we're doing nothing. Get about the Lord's business. Stop messing around. And I'm speaking to myself as much as to you guys. Stop messing around. You should have a mirror right here. You know? We can have this dynamic power of God. It's there if we want it, but we have to ask. You know, the the Lord's a perfect gentleman. He doesn't, you know give us things that we don't ask for, you know. But when we do ask for things, we ask for them according to His will. And being filled with the Spirit is according to the Lord's will. So all you have to do is ask. Lord, fill me with Your Spirit. Lord, we're going, some of you guys are going to be going to Mexico soon. Lord, fill me with Your Spirit to go to Mexico. Help me to be used of You. Yes, Lord, I know there's a language barrier, Lord, but give me the Spirit to push through that. To be able to convey your love, your hope to these people. And do that. And watch what the Lord will do. You know, He will do mighty things more than we could ever ask or think. We don't have to wish or wonder what it would be like to be used by God in a mighty way. All we have to do is ask. Lord, fill me. Direct me. Guide me. 
Paul talks about the fact that the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. Paul also talks about the power of God towards us who believe, being like the power God used to raise Christ from the dead in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. Paul talks about knowing Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul also talks about the Word of God, which is at work in you guys, in me, the believers, right? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And the author of the book of Hebrews talks about the Word of God being living and active. And that's within the life of us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It's a living thing. Call upon the name of the Lord. Ask Him to bless you and fill you with His Spirit. And He won't disappoint you. He's never disappointed me. I feel like at times, you know, I've disappointed the Lord or I've been a failure in what He's called me to do. You know, but He doesn't see it that way. I think the Lord sees, you know, all of us kind of as a work in progress. And that though we stumble and though we fall and though we fail, it's no surprise to Him. But He wants us to call upon His name and trust in Him to have a life that is full and dynamic. A life that will turn this world, this city, anywhere we go, upside down. We could all use a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon our lives so that we can be effectively used by the Lord, not only here in the church, but in the world at large, in our jobs, everywhere we go. The next thing we're going to talk about is the disciples' hope. You guys can turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that uh, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, we've been given salvation by the grace of God. Something that we didn't deserve. um, Something that you can't earn. It was given to us by God's grace. It's been made available to all men who will receive it. All you have to do is ask, Lord, you know, forgive me. Lord, I desire you in my life. The salvation comes and it's given to us and, and, and it changes our lives. I mean, all of us are here clothed in sane because of the Lord, because of what he's done. Though salvation has appeared to all men, not all men will be saved. You know, the offer's out there to accept, but many are called and few are chosen, you know. Many will receive the Lord and many won't. And it's a sad thing. And, and, you know, in a way, the hope of the believer is kind of tied to the dynamic in that way because we desire one day to be with the Lord, but we also desire for others to be with the Lord. And part of that dynamic that we need 
is to preach the gospel to people so that they can come to Him and be saved. So that they too have a hope. Not just the hope of escaping hellfire, you know, but the hope of the return of Jesus Christ to one day be, be with Him. That's our hope. We can never be good enough to enter heaven apart from Jesus. He's the one we must know in order to be saved. There's no other name, right, under heaven and earth by which men must be saved, but the name of Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So there will even be some that claim the name of the Lord, but it will be like, depart from me. I, don't, I never knew you. I don't know who you are. So, for us, we lay our hope upon Jesus. We, we lay our hope in the fact that He has came and he is, He's risen. He's saved us. So that one day we'll be with Him. We'll be able to commune with Him. We'll be able to have fellowship with Him. And with each, each other. I mean, our relationship, your relationship with your wife, your family will be different. But it'll still be a relationship based on Jesus Christ. You'll still have fellowship. You won't be married, but you'll still have fellowship. At that point, some of you guys are a little older. You may not want to be married, so who knows, you know? You know, it's hard to say. I've only been married for 12 years, so <laughs> we'll see what happens in another 12. But 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 11 through 11 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor idolaters, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such as were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of God. We've been saved. We desire that others would come to know Christ and be saved. We all have family that we want to be saved. Some of us have family that have walked away from the Lord. That's a bad state to be in. We desire that the Lord would once again renew them and bring them hope. You know, my, my wife's sister, she... She kind of walked away. Well, not kind of. You either walk away or you don't. She walked away from the Lord. And her and her husband. And it's kind of, it's, it's sad. Our hearts break for them and go out for them. I mean, we desire that they would come back to know the Lord. And, and my wife sent her a text and told her some things, you know, and, uh, you know, about her relationship, the way, what she used to know about the Lord and that those things still ring true and hold true and that, she knows that her sister has that inside of her and has that knowledge. And her sister proceeded to text her back that she's never had more peace than she has right now. And she's not walking with the Lord. And to me, having peace and not having the Lord, they're like oil and water. They don't mix. They're mutually exclusive. You know, I... No Jesus, no peace. You all seen that bumper sticker, right? That's kind of the way I feel. It's like, how can you have more peace now than you did when you were walking with the Lord? That's not a God thing. That's a you thing. You know, that's your heart. And, you know, we'll pray for her and we'll continue to lift her up, you know, and, and, you know, hopefully one day. But 
Tomorrow's promise to no man. One day you're here and one day you're not. And you don't get a second chance after you die. Today is the day of salvation, right? Our hope as Christians is based on who we know, not what we know. The non-believer doesn't have this hope. They put their hope and trust in men and their own goodness, which leads to death. There's no goodness in me, you know. People in the world believe or have a tendency to believe that man is basically good and he does some evil things. But in reality, man is basically evil and he has a little bent towards good. I've met some great people that are generous and they're nice and they're loving and they're kind and they don't know Jesus, nor do they want to. You know, I have one friend from high school that uh, just contacted me, part of the problem with Facebook, but he just contacted me and, you know, uh, decided that, you know, he would tell me that, you know, uh, for some reason, he doesn't know why, but he had cancer and, and, and a couple years ago, you know, he's been looking for me for a couple years and that Jesus told him to find me. And I'm like, what? Of course you got to be understanding that when I was talking to him on the phone, he was totally plastered. So I had to really listen, you know, to what you, what'd you say, you know? And he said, I know you don't believe me, but Jesus told me to find you. He said, go find Danny Salant. I'm like, so listen, you know, if you're telling me that Jesus told you to find me, I believe you. I said, and whether he, why he wanted you to find me, I mean, I can only think of one thing, but there may be other things. And then in a private email conversation, he said, you know, that he really enjoyed the times we used to have, but he's never, ever going to church. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, one, I didn't invite you. And, you know, two, that's the cry of somebody who's about to get saved. <laughs> you know, and that was mine anyway. I mean, that was one of those things where it was like, you know, I- I'm not going to church. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Bunch of holy rollers stumping me with their body. I mean, that's not happening, you know. And the next thing I know, I, I end up getting saved, and that's great. You know, Lord uses our foolishness to, you know, sometimes work out His will. So, hopefully that will change in His life. Um, but our goodness will never lead us to the promised land, ever. There's nothing that we can do. Isaiah 46 6 says, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness is filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. We're not getting into heaven on our own, guys. I mean, it's only by putting our hope and our trust in Jesus that that will ever, ever happen. Thank God our hope isn't in ourselves. Amen? I'm glad it's not in you guys either. My hope's not in you just in case you were wondering. <laughs> My hope is let rest solely upon the Lord. You know, and that's where it has to be. Can't be based on other people will let us down every time. You look to man and before you know it, there's a preacher preaching from the pulpit and the next thing you know, he falls flat on his face in some sort of sin and and, and it happens, you know, and then now your life is devastated because you put your hope in man. Never put your hope in man. Our hope, our trust is in the Lord. So that when somebody falls and 
hopefully repents that there's somebody else godly to take their place and take that mantle and press on. But we're not looking to man. We're looking to Jesus Christ and Him alone. He's our hope. He's our salvation. He's who we put our trust in. Apart from that, we might as well all just line up to go to hell because there's no way that I'm following any man. Follow the Lord. Psalm chapter 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Don't trust in anything other than the Lord. That's That's where our hope lies. Our hope lies in the fact that Jesus said, I will return. I'm coming back for you. And that's what we put our faith and our trust and our hope in. You know, it's, it's great. You know, we come, we listen to the Word of God. We listen to be in fellowship with one another. I was talking to a brother today. Second Corinthians, right? Talks us to be, don't forsake the gathering of ourselves together, right? Is the manner of some, right? Don't do that. But we don't put our hope and our trust in each other or the building. We put our hope and trust in the fact that Jesus Christ is working within us, that eternal weight of glory, so that His life, His light, will shine through us and give hope to a lost and dying world that is on the fast track to hell. We need to be lights and examples. We need to be trusting but only in the Lord. Verse 12 says, Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, righteously and godly in this present age. The saving grace of God that we do not deserve teaches us to set aside the things of the flesh and to live a life that's pleasing to God in this present day. Our present day is a disaster. It is full and ripe with evil. You know, we're in that day where men are calling evil good and good evil. You know what I'm saying? This is where we're at. And if we don't shine as a light in this dark place, God help us. We need to be sold out for the Lord. And no, not perfect. You won't hear those words come out of my mouth that you need to be perfect. That's not going to happen. You know? That's not going to happen to any of us. But we can walk with the Lord. We can have our hope and our trust laid firmly upon Him so that He can do a work and change us and change the world through us. We live in a wicked and evil age. And for us to be able to be godly in it, has to be the work of the Spirit. Absolutely has to. It's not by our our might, not by our power, but by His Spirit. Not a thing that I can do, not a thing that you can do, but trust. (laughs) You know, not a thing that we can do, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. When we read or hear or apply the Word, we have the ability to live rightly in the days in which we live. But we can't just take the word of God casually. We must let it penetrate our hearts and our minds. It's got to be something that comes out of our head and into our heart, for lack of a better term. It's got to be part of us. It's got to be something, not that we, you know, coming to church used to be a thing that we do, right? Oh, yeah, where are you going on Sunday? Oh, I'm going to church. Okay. Yeah, that's what we do. Okay, great. Can't be who, what you do anymore. It has to be who you are. 
It has to be a part of your... Jesus has to be who you are. I mean, not that you're Jesus, you know what I'm saying. has to be such a part of your life, such an integral part of your life, that if you miss a day with the Lord in anything, praying, the Word, whatever, you just kind of feel like, ugh, you know? It's got to be something that you desire to do. I, I love my wife. I, I spend time talking with her when we get up in the morning. Well, she does most of the talking, but I'm listening because I'm still trying to wake up. And then at night I'm trying to go to sleep and she's still talking, but no, I'm just kidding. But I spend so much time talking to my wife, and she won't hear this study, so it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. But I spend so much time talking to my wife, you know, because I love her, and I want to cultivate that relationship with her. No, it's not perfect. Yes, we argue, you know. Yes, we hit the holy parking lot, the halos come on, and everybody's got smiles. Amen, brother, right? That's what happens, but honestly... You cultivate that relationship with that person you love. And if you love Jesus Christ, you are cultivating that relationship with Him. Because your hope lies on the fact that He is coming back for you. Not just for us collectively, but individually for you. Jesus knows your name. He knows the number of hairs on your head or lack thereof. He knows it. He knows each one of us. And He is coming back for us. He knows who are who those who are his. And if you are if you belong to Jesus Christ, man, he's coming back for you just like he's coming back for me, and we desire that he comes back for others as well. James chapter 1 verse 22 through 25 says, "But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, for he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was." Man, do we do that, right? But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a 